Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Los Angeles, California, Joey Nochel Prano. Hello, Andrew T. Ruther. Good morning, Joseph. How are you today? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's great. It's great to hear. I'd be a little better if if we, uh, you know, had Had baseball. Yeah. You, you know, my thing is like, like I was thinking a lot after what we talked about last episode and I, and I was talking to some people about that and, and it, it really is true. Like how like guys like you and I who see eight to 10 games a year, who travel to different stadiums, who not only see our own teams will, you know, go see teams that we're not exactly fans of, but just to support the sport in the game and ballparks and going to different cities. Like, I just, I just, it, it's a shame that they don't realize when you turn those people off, a lot won't come back. Yeah. Oh, I mean, what's crazy about Major League Baseball is that already happened to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, if you look at the, the, what, what I would say is the major issue in baseball to this day, I mean, all that's happened this offseason of like note is the Hall of Fame inductees, right? So that's all steroids. And the argument at the time was the steroid era saved baseball from the strike of 94. That like that's what they needed to bring it back. So baseball, I mean, shoots itself in the foot and then tries to do surgery on the bullet in their foot by shooting it out. And you're like, yeah, that's not how you get a bullet out of your foot. You don't just like shoot it with another bullet, like yeah, do surgery. But like baseball was essentially dead uh, because of that strike. And then the home run chase, the home run, the, the crazy home run numbers, the Maris chase, all that stuff. Bonds yeah. kind of got, got it all back. And it's insane that baseball is on the decline again, has now tackled steroids, which they promoted just to like come back so that they can't do that again. And, and don't realize you're going to be back where you were after that last strike where you missed games. Sure. Also not, not to mention you're coming off of a pandemic season two years ago where you played like 65 games. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought up the 94 strike. I know it affected both of us. You know, I was, I was a, I was a young kid. I mean, I, I wasn't even 13 years old yet, but I know it left a bad stain in my mouth also because the reds were good. Like they were in first place when that strike happened. I love one. I love just all like, I love even minor Rutherisms, a bad stain in my mouth. <laughs> bad taste in my mouth bad stain you know tomato tomato but 
you are. That is a good point. I never thought about that, how it's like it's almost cyclical now. And I'm glad you said that because I I wanted to look some things up to compare to the other major sports. Now, we're not going to mention hockey because we don't talk hockey. We don't know hockey. So we're just going to stick, as we always do, with baseball, basketball, football. Also, so just- uh, another reason not to talk hockey or bring it up is like hockey's as dead as baseball lately. You know, so it's like, I don't know what's going on in hockey. I think they've had a couple strikes or whatever, but like, well, they missed an entire season in 2004, 2005. Right. So that's almost more proof to the the case. Like right now, people are talking about baseball in comparison to hockey in terms of like popularity in America. And that's how you know your sport. Like, so basically baseball is a year or two away from having playoff games run on HGTV. After house flippers and fucking the real estate brothers. So here's here's a comparison. And I think this is apt for baseball and for major league baseball playoffs coming to you on Peacock Plus. You're like (laughs) "Uh." first week of subscription for free. And then you have to pay four ninety nine a month. So. The NFL has not missed a regular season game since 87. I mean, I mean, I mean, it does not surprise me there. Right. They missed, right. You know, it's, they're the longest without missing a regular season game. They just, they just don't allow it to happen. Yeah. The NBA last missed regular season game. They were like, they were like the world trade center came down on Tuesday. They're like, you got to play football guys. Yeah. But but in a way, you know, and, and we'll get to the commissioner discussion in a way. It's like they'll get shit on. They get stuff done, right? Like they get stuff done. You, you can say what you well, want. I've always and I've always said that about Goodell. I've always said Goodell is just the, you know, the guy who takes shit for the owners who are just like, no, that's and, why he gets paid so much money. Yeah. And, and, and all the commissioners are. But but he but the thing is. Like we've seen. They're just a well-oiled machine that can't be stopped. So the NFL, again, has not missed a game since 87. The NBA has only missed regular season games twice ever because of lockouts. The last time was 2011. But here's where I want to bring it up, which is the difference between the three. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball. Of the big three, the MLB is the only one to ever have to cancel a postseason because of a lockout. And to me, that 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 is the telling stat there. And we're talking about the 94 season again, yeah. where they had to stop it midway through. But the other ones are like, we're not going to allow this to completely ruin a season to where we don't have a champion. We don't have playoffs. Major League Baseball has already done this. And from everything that is being presented right now, it looks like it might be headed there. So it's like they haven't learned from the past at all. It's unbelievable. And and what's crazy about baseball, and you say like missing a postseason is not just do we have, you know, seasons where there there was not a champion crowned, but also like you 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 can't no one ever talks about football or basketball in relation to the kind of full season statistics. No one's ever like Oh, LeBron James just broke the season scoring record of 4,800 points. Like, that's not what you do. Every baseball fan, to some degree, even me, who's like not a huge stat guy, but like measures things 
in terms of season long statistics. Oh, he hit 30 home runs last year. And you just lose baseball fans ability to even like, especially young baseball fans. I mean, obviously older people and like the, the, the sort of millennial baseball fan, they love the analytics and whatever. But like, if you're 10, you're like home runs hits RBI. Like, so we're now how many seasons since whenever where the, do you just have to throw those numbers out the window and be like, that was pretty good for 65 games, pretty good for 146 games or whatever they're going to play or blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it's just, they're doing everything they can to lose baseball fans. Sure. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and look, I, I know every time there is a labor dispute or a strike, this is actually a lockout. I don't think a lot of people realize that. This is a lockout. This is instituted by baseball. This is instituted by Rob Manfred, just so everybody knows. This is not the players on strike. And I wanted to educate myself on this because I know it can get complicated when you're talking about arbitration and what they're discussing and a lot of it's legal stuff. But from my perspective at this point, because I know it's there's always two sides to every story. But at least from my vantage point, I just don't know how you can side at all in any facet with the owners on this one. Well, and, and here's the here's the major thing that like I don't feel like enough people are talking about, which is. You know, they say, well, stop guaranteeing baseball contracts, which, by the way, I'd be for. To some extent, like if you, you know, in, in football, in a game where you can get hurt so easily, your contracts are not guaranteed in basketball. There's a limit on how long and they solve that, you know, I don't know how long ago now, T- 10 years ago, 15 years ago, like where the, it wasn't like Kevin Garnett lifetime contract anymore. So they put a they put a cap on how long you could sign a guy for baseball. The thing about baseball is and I am a guy who has been calling for a salary cap in baseball for a long time. There are people who don't agree um, that, you know, there are, there are true capitalists who say, why not? Like just let owners pay whatever the problem with that is twofold one. And, and, and I'm not, I'm not anti-player in saying this, but then owners pay, pay the two guys. Sorry, the, go, go ahead. I know yeah, somebody's the owners pay the two guys on their team for 10 years, and then they are fighting now against giving guys in the minor leagues any money, giving the guys in their first five years before arbitration any money whatsoever. You know, fighting against what the minimum salary to be in the big leagues is. But I have always been a guy who's pro salary cap, and I and I think that baseball should figure out a way to do it in a in a a, a way that works for baseball. It doesn't just have to be a hard salary cap with blah, blah, like, like football or like anything else. But um, the issue with the salary cap in baseball is that the owners that, that the NBA and the NFL have revenue sharing and the owners in baseball don't. And the reason the owners in baseball don't have revenue sharing, they just have a luxury tax. Well, well they, they have sharing on revenue sharing on the TV deals, right? But we're we're, ta- we're not we're talking about the, the the actual hard accounting of the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, the whatever. And the reason they don't do that is because Major League Baseball, 
unlike NBA and NFL, don't tell you how much they're making. Well, it's 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 yeah. Which is ridiculous because now we have a situation where we're in a lockout. The owner's crying poor, but we don't know if they're telling the truth because well, they don't tell you how much they're making. Let, let, let me bring up some stats on that, though. So we do know that baseball revenues are at an all time high. And sure. the only team we do know, there's only one team that's legally required to post their books. And that's the Braves. So obviously the Braves won a World Series. Um, I just saw it. They made a lot of money. Now, I know they lost money in 2020, but I think everyone did because there was no fans. Right. So no fans, 65 games, TV deal, like cutting you know, quarter, whatever. So the Braves. Okay. So the Braves posted a record, and I don't know if this is a record for them. I assume it's a record for them. $568 million in revenue from baseball and development, which, again, was up from $178 million the previous year, which, again, was pandemic year. So the record before that, okay, so let's talk about profit because, you know, 568 is confusing because they're like, well, what are they earning for profit? So the Braves have made $111 million in profit last year. So teams are making more money than ever. The- right. And there's a lot of factors in that. Like, you know, 20 years ago, you know, people would have been jumping off the buildings if gas was $5.50. But like, sure. But the, the bottom line is, even with 2022 inflation and 2022, just like cost of every, like you own a baseball team, you spend a bunch of money to play. You walk away a hundred plus million dollars richer than you were the year before. Yeah. You earn, if you own a baseball team, you have garnered $1 billion. If you own a baseball team for a decade, you know how hard it is for people to become billionaires. Yeah. And that doesn't obviously include the evaluation. Of, of what these teams are worth. Yeah, right. We're, we're talking about the interest on their investment, essentially. Sure. The earnings on their investment. So I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, as, as I look at this, and again, I have a lot of stuff handy in front of me. So, and the Braves, by the way, yeah, they won the World Series, but like, it's not like they're diehard fans. Well, the, and, and maybe they are, but we're not talking about. The Yankees, Yankees yeah. the Red Sox, the Cardinals, the, the Dodgers, Dodgers yeah. the San Francisco Giants. Like, think about the prices in those places. Think about just everything that goes like, I'm sure the Braves did great in, in a year that they won the World Series. But like, we're not talking about an absolute top tier money raking team. Yeah. So if you look, if you compare things, and this is just, this is statistically speaking, baseball revenue is at an all time high. This is going back to like 2003. I'm looking at a graph right now. But the salaries have plateaued. So the average like the average opening day payroll for a team has plateaued. Like it's it's straight up the line you see it just starts going across. And right. th- the same thing for the 
the first tier collective, the, 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 when the guy can file for arbitration, like all this stuff is starting to plateau. And, and here's what's interesting. And this was all very nicely laid out in an article um, in the athletic that I read. And, and what's fascinating is something to remember young players are compensated worse than veterans, but young players are also more productive. Of course. So this graph, there's another graph that breaks it down by one, one plus higher war. And by the, the number of one plus higher war position players in baseball at the age and how many there were. And you can see guys, basically guys are not being paid for what they're valued at at that point in their career. And, and, they, course, and, they, yeah. and they use, they use a prime example of, of Joe panic. So he made the all-star team in 2015. He only made, he only made 545 grand, right? Which was only $22,500 bump from the previous season. And then they talk about Tim Lincecum who, because again, he was too young. He couldn't grab a $200 million contract after winning the Cy Young. Instead, he only made 9 million. Right. So the argument uh, again from the player's side, and I have to agree with it, is basically saying we're not being paid properly when we're producing the most. And we can get our money on our back end, but then we're not as good. So, then so I mean, this this is everything that's wrong with baseball, because essentially what happens and this is what the players are fighting for, first and foremost, is like. That early part of your career, especially these days when athletes, you know, we see it all the time. Athletes come up and they hit the ground running and they're just like, boom, they are, you know, Pete Alonzo comes up and hits 53 homers as a rookie. It's like, pay me the idea that you can now control me for five years before you pay me anything. And you get all these productive years and, and essentially the most productive years are going to be one to two years before like a, a player's prime at this point is essentially one to two years before you can get paid and one to two years after you can get paid. Correct. And then, and then you have all this money that you're getting paid on the back end. And, and the problem is for the players, that's fine. Except now teams are smartening up and being like, why are we going to sign this guy for all this money when we can just restart the clock with somebody else? Let this guy go elsewhere. Let somebody else pay him and we'll restart the clock with somebody else. And we'll get a couple of years of a guy on a, you know, coming up and learning to be in the big leagues. Then we'll get two years of him, you know, prime baseball. And we don't have to pay a guy 10 years for $30 million, which is by the way, what these guys demand because now <laughs> major league baseball players have figured out you essentially get, one single payday. Sure. So based on last year's, like last year's stats of position players, again, let's see if you can guess this. What, what age do you think had the highest number of one plus war position players? What age? 26. Wow. Spot on 26. Yeah. 26 was number one. 27 was number two. 28 was number three and 30 was number four. Right. So, so that, so that's the wheelhouse. Like you're saying guys that are in like they're basically third, fourth, fifth years, they're producing the most 
for their teams, but they're not getting paid yet. And, and this is where the owners, to kind of explain to everybody, this is where the owners have all the leverage. If there's no season, if we look at, you got to look at long-term. If we look at long-term financially, if there's no season, it really doesn't affect these owners financially. Unless, of course, fans are like, fuck you forever. Sure. But the guy who's trying to get that payday, it's going to affect the rest of his life because he could miss out on a shit ton of money. So, so that, so again, that's the difference. And we've talked about this at length and people are idiots who keep saying it. Oh, millionaires versus billionaires, millionaires. Like the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire, how many times are we going to say it is, is right. so significant. So again, it, it's not a dude. The owners have all the power. They'll say, okay, we're not going to play the season. I'm worth hundreds of millions of dollars. That's really not going to affect me that much. Or I'm worth a billion dollars. Now you who are trying to get the 50, 75, 100 plus million dollar contract, you take it off a year could kind of ruin you. Yeah, of course. Not to mention the guys who like, imagine you're in your third year in the league. You're still struggling with arbitration. You made 500 and something thousand dollars last year for the last two years before that, like even less. So, you know, you, you think you're on the verge of your first contract. Maybe you bought a house. Maybe you had a family, whatever. Sure. Like, I mean, there are guys who are going to have to go to work. Yes. And, and and there are certainly guys, I mean, minor leaguers at this point. My, baseball is a summer job. Yeah. No, for sure. And, I, and, and I've seen that. You know, that's the crazy thing. It's like, obviously, I, I grew up a baseball guy. I played at like a fairly competitive level to the point where I know a lot of people personally who tried to make it happen. And it's insane. It's insane that a minor leaguer ever has to decide to give up playing baseball strictly on money purposes. Like I might have the talent to make it to the big leagues, but like, I also need money. Yeah. No, for That's sure. Cra- That's crazy. It, it, it's just sad that they, they can't make this work. Um, and that there's, already- ne- there's not, a, there's, if you're a football player and if you're, if you're a guy who's like a borderline NFLer, you will play on a practice squad until you can no longer play on a practice squad. Correct. So you don't even play competitive football. You are essentially just practicing. And those guys will take that and make their living as opposed to professional baseball players in the minor leagues who have fans come to pay to watch them, who have stadiums built for them to play in. And those guys are like, maybe I should get my real estate license instead. Yeah, it's 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 just a broken system. And, and obviously, like we're saying, the longer this goes on, I, I think it's only going to get worse. And, you know, two two series canceled and 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 and, and this comes back to Manfred on me. Like, do, like, do do you your legacy is so tarnished right now? And it's just been 
you've been taking body blow after body blow of of just bad press, bad decisions from the Astros thing to even just just misspeaking and saying, you know, the, the World Series trophy is just a chunk, a hunk of metal or whatever he says, something like that. Like he's just made misstep after misstep. And I, I, I just feel like there's no understanding, again, of the ramifications of all this when it comes to long term. Yeah. And and the the what the worst thing for baseball is like, I know we didn't have social media or at least not to the level we do now, uh, like during the, the height of Bud Selig's career. But we just have players straight up tweeting like, yeah, that's fuck, great. Fuck Rob Manfred. I know. I think that's great. And you're right. And, and that, that's been a huge point during this current dispute is. This has never existed before. In a, in a baseball labor disagreement. Now we have players who don't need to do a press conference. Right. Now I got my phone, dude. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you how I feel. I'm taking a shit. And, and, and it really is. I, I, again, to bring it back to someone like a Roger Goodell or Adam Silver, they, they would just, they just wouldn't let this. My point is that I just don't see those commissioners letting this happen again. Not to say that we haven't had strikes in those sports, but, I just, to me, the owners in football just would never allow it to happen. They know how much they make playing, you know, playing games. They know how much their TV deals are worth. And, and, you know, you can like Goodell, hate Goodell, be indifferent toward Goodell like I am. But the, the fact of the matter is basketball just continues to grow. And the commissioner situation from David Stern to Adam Silver has been excellent. Five stars. And in baseball, from Seelig to Manfred has been zero stars. Will not attend. F- like, like, fuck these guys. Yeah. And it's it's just that simple. Yeah. Here, here, here's how you talk about stars. This is what this is Rob Manfred's tenure. I went to a restaurant recently. In Covington, Kentucky, and it was it was an Asian restaurant. It was a Korean Korean barbecue restaurant, and I was worried sitting down. This is like a, this is like the Rob Manfred baseball experience. I noticed it was pretty. It was kind of dirty, man. It wasn't kind of. It was dirty. I noticed sitting down. It was like a Tuesday night. And I went with my girlfriend, and I was like, I was like, ugh, cobwebs. And we got our food. And of course, I ate it up because that's I'm just like a savage. You know, just right. put food in front of me, I'll eat it. That stuff. I mean, it it like wrecked us to the point like it's it's on her street where she lives. The point where, like every time I walk by, I'm like, oh, rivers. Like it's like me with El Pollo Loco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like like that's that's Rob Manfred though. Like that's like you're saying the zero stars. Like, dude, it, I, it, I'd argue Rob Manfred is worse. I would argue that. Rob Manfred would have let you eat the meal and then you'd be like, you know what? It wasn't great, but like, maybe we, we can save this. Like nobody can fuck up cheesecake. Right. And then you went to get dessert and he stole the menus from you. And he's like, meals over, get the fuck out. And you're like, uh, but that's like kind of the whole thing. Like you do the whole thing just to see what happens at the end. We get like a whole big, yeah. you know, Cheesecake dessert. He's like, get out. We're not doing it this time. And you're like, um, okay. 
And then so you just have the diarrhea from your meal and the cobwebs, but you don't even get to fucking have the, sure. the icing on the top. Yeah. By the way, if anybody wants to avoid Riverside Korean barbecue on Madison Avenue, please avoid that. I I, it's, I walk by there every day and I'm like, oh, these people disgust me. How are you eating this place? Enjoy your cobwebs, especially after being in L.A. where we have great Korean barbecue. Oh, my God. The best. But the best. So good. I don't, I don't know. do that enough. I got to get to Koreatown more often and just do the. Because, you know, my thing with Korean barbecue is here. I don't do it enough. So when I go, I overdo it. Oh, and yeah. Then I, and then I'm just like comatose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's one of those nights or days, whatever you whenever you go when you when you do Korean barbecue, man. It'll fuck you up. I, I've been I've had people be like, oh, I see you're doing the show here. Come, let's have Korean barbecue first. I'm like, I'm not doing anything after I do. Korean <laughs> I know. Barbecue. You're like, unless it involves me on the couch watching Netflix. Yeah. What was that place we went to the one time after we did a show? A podcast. Down at Ernie's old studio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I have no idea what the name was, but it's bomb. Yeah, I know, I know exactly where it was. Yeah, man. L.A.'s Korean barbecue scene. That was right I, there by the Wiltern. It was like in the thick of Koreatown. Yeah. F- fun fact for you. I believe I could be wrong in this, that L.A. has the highest Korean population. Outside of any city in Korea, which mm, would make sense. Interesting. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think that's correct. That's how high the Korean population is in Los Angeles. Anyway, well, look, Joe, obviously we'll follow this and and, and hopefully some things break, uh, but I don't expect it, to be honest. Well, I don't know what you have planned for our ad schedule here, but I'm going to tell I'm going to tell you something I think will lead you into uh, something that we usually do on Thursdays. I when I was up at the comedy festival in San Luis Obispo, I drank a lot it's just that's the deal with that festival it's just like everybody gets banged up and uh, hung out with two great comics actually i'll also do a quick plug for these two guys who i spent like the majority of my uh um san luis obispo festival with sam goldstein great comic hilarious guy follow him i think he's uh i am sam goldstein or something like that on twitter and then this kid kalen reese who I had never met before and is, I believe on Instagram at real mullet kid who looks like the David Koresh from that Waco movie, just like mullet, uh, pedo glasses. And the three of us just hung out and got banged up. Sam doesn't drink. So he was like our sponsor slash DD. Yeah. I know Sam, by the way, he's a good dude. Yeah. Great dude. We played golf. But funny guys, uh, you know, if you're looking for new comics that you probably have never heard of, no offense to those guys, but they're up and comers. Um, give them a follow. But me and Callan got banged up. I mean, he was walking around San Luis Obispo going just like rampage. And like <laughs> we were taking tequila shots. So I came home and was like, I need to get healthy. I am not drinking until baseball starts which is a moving target because baseball may never start, but I carved into that agreement because, so I did a 
you know, it's usually like, I'll take a month off from drinking. I'll take two months off from drinking. I'll take whatever. But since it's a moving target, I was like, since this could be July, since this could be August, since this could be next April, I'm carving in one uh, exception because I'm doing all of this for health purposes. Like I was just like, I need to get healthier. You know, I've been told that the brown liquors that I tend to drink are not good for my creaky knee. And so I was like, the exception I'm going to make to this rule is because it's so low in carbs. Only Miller Lite from now until opening day of baseball season, whenever that may be. Sure. Well, that, that's a good exception to make. And and we've talked about it before. There's really nothing better than a nice spring or hot summer day in a cold Miller light in a ballpark. And again, like to me, it's, it's the small things that that's what I think you and I cherish so much about baseball. It's, it's not, I, I know it's not the most exciting. I'll be the first one to tell you that, but there's something relaxing to me about sitting in a ballpark as the sun hits you, you know, you're drinking a cold Miller light. It's just a perfect, simple way to enjoy the day. Dirt balls, if baseball's not here, you're going to have to take the Miller Lite somewhere else, which is fine, which is fine. Take it to the back patio. Take it to the fire pits. That's one thing I love about being in the Midwest. Like this is, this is fire pit season. I, like last year, I had some fire pit get-togethers. My brothers would come over. Friends would come over. We'd get some cold Miller Lights, get some s'mores, sit by the fire. You really can't beat it. Miller Lite is brewed for taste. It hits different than other light beers. Miller Lite, great taste, 96 calories. Go to MillerLite.com forward slash dirty sports to find delivery options near you. Or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. Give me the carbs, Andy. Yeah, sorry. It's Miller time. I, I, I stuttered for a minute there. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. There it I'm is. Almost, I'm almost I, I almost want to say, like, this should be a hashtag. This should be a dirty sports thing. Like for for us to try to get baseball back. Also for us to try to get our summer bods in shape. Only Miller's till opening day. Hashtags only Miller's till baseball or something. I I I. I asked Dirtballs to join me in this battle for baseball and 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 summertime bodies. Only Millers till opening day. I join like me. it. Join me. Hashtag only Millers till opening day. It's a little long, but I like it. We, we, yeah, we, I mean that's what I'm saying. If, if if anybody has a better one, you know, I'm open to hearing suggestions. Yeah, we can make it work. Well, good for you, man. It's it's uh, you. I think you'll feel better ultimately, giving up all of that crap. I'm, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to give up sweets. That's that's like it's a problem for me at this point. Like straight up, like I, I know that the the booze was replaced by sweets eight years ago. Yeah, and and it's it's the point of like I'm all the time. It's like ah, cool. I ate good. Pool. Boom. Let's just do candy. Let's do milkshakes. Let's do all that. I'm really crap. good. At, I'm really good at avoiding that stuff on my own. 
but I have no willpower if anybody puts it in front of me. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, I'm like pretty good, like on a day to day. But then if somebody's like, Hey, there's a 40 pound bag of sour patch kids in the thing. I'm like, I guess I'm eating 30 pounds of sour patch yeah. kids today. <laughs> we'll see. Or like when I go with you, like back in the day, we go with, you know, cafe fifties. You're like, and also you oh. have to get like a ice cream milkshake with your meal. I'm like, I guess I got it. It's, it's like this big. Yeah. Yeah. That's the chocolate is the worst for me. Like that's the, the chocolate. It's not more of like, like the sour patch. I don't do that stuff, but the chocolate is just like my nephew turned five the other day. I was like a kid. We were, we were at this place, this, this great brewery in town, local brewery, but it, it's outdoors. It's, it's, it's family oriented as well. So, so, you know, you get the beer there, but also they have like, like volleyball courts and little soccer courts for the kids and it's on the river, but they, but they're known for like their burgers and their shakes. And I'm just like going to town and there's cake. And I was like, get it under control, get it under control. Um, I want to bring up some football stuff because I'm shocked by this. And I feel like it flew under the radar yesterday. Maybe it didn't. The Cardinals are extending Cliff Kingsbury. And I just, I just, it, it baffles me. And, and I have some numbers to just debunk that he's really just, he's not the guy. He ain't the guy. Now, I thought it was a terrible hire from the start. I can admit I was wrong. He has not done nearly as bad as I thought he would, would perform as a coach. But you got to hear this stuff out, Joe. So Kingsbury, in his first three seasons as the Cardinals, they're 15-5-1 and one in weeks one through seven, which is great. They're nine and 20 from week eight on, including the playoffs. So 15, five and one weeks, one through seven weeks, eight on nine and 20. And here's the crazy part. And I know we've talked about this before. He did this same exact thing at Texas tech in Texas tech. In his last four years, his team started 20 and 15 and finished seven and 20. So, so now he has at this point, Seven consecutive years of not being able to finish the start of a season. To me, that is a telltale sign of a coach who's not that good. I'm just going to say it. I, dude, if, if you consistently struggle and get worse, you, you ain't that good of a coach. Well, I mean, so you look at that. I know this is a very like specific stat to him. Like this is the only guy you hear this about so and and the fact that it's like seven years is you know certainly very telling the question is like what's the issue here because i mean he's a coach he's not like it's not like a oh when times get tough he he his asshole puckers up or whatever like i don't i don't think he's like a worse coach in big games than he is in not big games. What I, what I think might be the issue here. And it's like the only thing I can think of in terms of like why this would happen so consistently and so drastically to one person. Yeah. Is guys figure him out. So like basically he puts on tape, everything early and then doesn't Doesn't adjust. 
adjust or doesn't like continue to evolve or doesn't whatever. So like what I would argue in and I'm not I have no reason to defend Cliff Kingsbury. And I was kind of with you on it. It seemed like a crazy hire at the time. But what I would argue somewhat in his defense is like. Figure out a way to like continue to evolve during the season, figure out a way to hide what you're doing, mask what you're doing. Once people have seen it one time, do go, go with like the thing that people talk about with Bill Belichick, where like he doesn't even roll out full aspects of his strategy out of the gate, like hold on to something, you know, um, like don't show everything that you are going to do throughout the year in week one and two and three, because I think first things first is like, you know, we have to judge everybody. Great coach, you know, elite coach, great coach, good coach, mediocre coach, bad coach, terrible coach. Right. I think if you, I think at at worst or at best, I guess, depending on how you look at it, you're going to be middle of the pack if you start out great and you end shitty. But you have to have some sort of, I guess, coaching expertise that you can come out so hot. It just seems like he needs some sort of help and or like thoughtfulness to the fact that you have to You have to make, you have to, it's not even, you have to make an adjustment. You have to be aware that other teams are going to adjust to you. Yeah. But that that playoff game, you were there. That playoff game was over from the first snap. I mean, I've I've never seen Kyler Murray. and, And obviously this isn't all on the coach. This is also, you know, the players play the game, but Kyler Murray looked absolutely awful from the open of that game to the end. And they were never in it. They just weren't. They were never in it. They looked out coached. They were outplayed. You know, you know, you know, I, I put, I put most of that on the coach. I just. But also like that, that's going to happen in a situation where one team's experienced. One team has a better coach. Like we just know McVay's better than Cliff sure. Kingsbury. McVay's been better out of the gate. McVay's still better. McVay's a better coach. They're they're outmanned. They're outcoached. They they're out experienced. They're on the road. Like that. Like yeah, we we all saw that coming. I mean, Look, I think I think that the thing that you have to consider if you're the Cardinals is like you may not ever have a coaching advantage against the Rams ever until Sean McVay is gone. But now you need to close the gap in experience, close the gap in talent, close the gap a little bit in coaching. You know, I, I just, again, and I know it's early in the season. They looked, I mean, I don't I don't know if people remember, they looked so good against the Rams early in the season, right? In, In LA. They looked so good against Tampa earlier in the season. Like they looked great. They started 10 and two. They finished. And, that, and, that, and that's kind of my point is like they, they Tampa, the Rams, like they beat, he, he out coached people the first go around. So they that, start, yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It means that there's something there for him in terms of the creativity, in terms of what the strategy he is, especially offensively, which is like, his you know specialty 
but you gotta just be able to be like, well, you can't have 10 plays at work. Cause now when you come to the line, a good coach is going to be like, this is what they're about to do. Yeah. Well, again, they start 10 and two, they finish one and five. And to me, the scariest point as the offensive guy in those games, when they finished one and five, they only averaged 18 and a half points a game. Yeah. Now I, now I know DeAndre Hopkins went down, but Kyler Murray is so dynamic. You, you had a good running game going with James Conner this year. I, I just Kyler Murray, I, I think, is a real special quarterback and has potential to be, you know, a really, 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 really good quarterback. And I think he's good now. But I wonder if Cliff Kingsbury is that guy like I, I'm. But and, and that's essentially what I would say is the first and foremost reason behind an extension, which is you have Kyler with the Instagram thing with the Cardinals and his his agent putting out a statement about Kyler wants to get paid and blah, 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 blah. Essentially, I think the thing is we do it with Kyler and Cliff or like that's our window because if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, back up the Brinkstrup and pay Kyler, do you restart with a new coach right now? That seems like a bad idea. We just got a text from Randy Ruther. This is kind of an interesting stat. LeBron. That is that can't be true. Yeah. Is this fake? Is this fake Randy Ruther? This is fake news, but it's still. It's still a great fake stat because because we're not sure it's fake. We're not sure it's fake, but It's it's a meme that says LeBron James has more Instagram followers than every major league baseball player combined. That's not, there's just no way that's true. Why do you think it's not true? Well, how many Instagram followers does LeBron James have? Well, the, the bigger question I ask you is which major the baseball player has the most Instagram followers, but it says combined. I know, but I don't but, know. I don't know who does, but I'm just saying, you know, there's just, it's just, no, it's just, you can't tell me that's true. I, I refuse to believe it. King James has 113 million. You're telling me there's not 10 baseball players with 10 million followers? Bro. I can tell you right now, the base, there's nobody who cares about baseball players on Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm just already looking at it. I mean, this is an article I'm reading from December, but I mean, Again, things may have changed, and I hope this article is accurate. Mike Trout is the most followed Instagram player for baseball at 1.9 million. That's nothing. Bryce Harper was second, 1.75. Javi Baez, third, 1.53. That is insane. If that is a true stat, that's insane. How many do you say LeBron has? 113 million. Dude, if if this is true, if if the top baseball player only has like two or three million. Then you combine all the other players. Wow. If true, that is the stat that you need to know about baseball's current stats. I, mean, I, I saw I saw one that said I saw one that was essentially I saw a tweet that said Mike Trout's like arguably the greatest baseball player of all time and has like two million less followers than Tyler Hero, who is a occasional like pseudo star on the Heat. That's a good tweet too. 
That's a good tweet. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, you know, we have a call about travel. And, just... and, and, and that's what, and that's what Justin said. He said, good thing you like Miller lights. Cause that's the only thing you, 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 you'll ever drink again. Rip baseball lights to end the lockout lights to end the lockout. Why don't I play a call about Mike Trout? We're talking about him. This is kind of perfect. What's up, Ruther and Prano? This is Stolze from Cincinnati. I'm listening to your guys' uh, Tuesday episode, or your Monday episode on Tuesday. <clears throat> and you guys are talking about Griffey, and so I figured I'd call in with one more Griffey call. I, I'm at the point now where, like, if you're, like, you're naming your all-time, your all-time starting nine, it, I, a lot of people have Griffey in there, right? You know, some of the more, some of the younger guys might even throw like a Mike Trout in there, but that's what made me think about this. We're always talking about the what is with Griffey. What if he didn't get hurt all the time? Would he be the home run champ? Would he be the best player ever? You know, how far away are we from wondering the same thing with Mike Trout? Did, he's been hurt. I think it's the past three seasons he gets hurt. He's missed a lot of time. But he's that generational talent that everybody just, like, automatically bookmarks him as, like, the number one player in the league, regardless if he's even on the field. And his war numbers back it up. Like, his war numbers, even when he's not playing, are still, like, top 50 in the league or something just absolutely insane. But at the end of it, I'm just – all I can come back to circling around to is how far away are we from – looking at Mike Trout the way that we look at Griffey right now. Let me know what you guys think. Stay dirty, boys. I don't really understand the question. I, I think he's trying to say is, is you know, because Mike Trout, so, so so real quick, so, so he's, he's trying to say, did Mike Trout, is he on this path of like, yo, Griffey was the shit and then he got ruined by injuries. Is, is that starting to happen with Mike Trout? Now, now he missed most of last year with a calf injury. Right. The year before was COVID. Right. Like, I don't know if you saw this tweet. This was an interesting tweet. Mike Trout, age 28 season, ruined by COVID. Mike Trout, age 29 season, ruined by a freak calf injury. Mike Trout, age 30 season, ruined by Rob Manfred. Yeah. And then it says baseball's losing one of the best players in prime time. It's going to yeah, ruin the game. Now, now, if you if you if you look at them side by side, their numbers like I have it up right now on Baseball Reference. So, like their numbers are pretty comparable through this stage of their career. Besides the fact, of course, that Ken Griffey Jr. has one league MVP in his entire career. Mike Trout is thirty years old, has three. Yeah, Mike Trout's thirty. Mike Trout's thirty years old. I know the All Star Game is a voting system, but Mike Trout has nine All Star appearances. He's thirty years old. Ken Griffey Jr. had thirteen. Like, I understand. I I guess I understand the question in terms of like if this keeps happening, you know, and and Mike Trout's I think passed the three hundred home run mark last year. Yes. Yeah. So like. You know, uh, I guess the question is, if Mike Trout continues to battle injuries and doesn't get to 500 homers, obviously he's not just a pure home run guy in the way that Griffey was. But 
I guess you you couldn't argue the single greatest player of all time who is a power hitter doesn't hit 500 home runs, right? Like you couldn't argue that. So I guess I understand the question is if this keeps going, but we also have strike. You know, we have COVID calf strike. It's a big three of fucking ridiculousness. Um, but if, if, Mike Trout comes back and is 75% of himself for another, I don't know, seven years. He'll like, he'll blow by Griffey. Yeah. I mean, it really is interesting as far as, you know, they both made their major league debut. It's, it's, it's eerie how close they were in age. Griffey was 19 at 40, 19 years, 40 days. Trout was 19, 29 days. I mean, they, they basically made their debut at the exact same young, ripe age. Yeah. It, the, you know, th- that is the, like, the thing with Trout versus kind of everybody, maybe not, I guess, Bonds would be the guy. And obviously, you know, the difference between Trout and Bonds right now is you worry about his injuries. You worry about the fact that he's 30 and you worry about whatever. And Bonds was like, why don't I just become superhuman with HGH and play until I'm 40 and be better than I was when I was 27. Um, so that, and I understand that that's the criticism of Bonds as a person and as a player and whatever. And we we've gone down that path a million times and to the reasoning behind him taking it and all that stuff. But the difference between Trout and basically everybody else is the dude came into the league and was the single best player. You could argue that Griffey was that for a moment. He certainly was the year he won the AL MVP. I don't remember who won the NL MVP that year, but like there's also years. I mean, <laughs> you look at, you look at young a, a, a Griffey on the Mariners. I mean, a young A Rod's on that team. How quickly before A Rod was the best player in baseball? To, like his own teammate. Like two years later is a you know a better all around player. I would argue. Sure. Um, and then you have Mike Trout, who basically till two years ago was just like, everybody goes, yeah, he is the best player. And then we kind of, and we kind of talk about second place. Now we're getting to the point where he's 30 and he's got injuries and you have the next bet, you know, you have Soto who's super young and like, he could be guy, but like there, I'll just say this. There was not a five-year period in Ken Griffey Jr.'s career where he was undoubtedly the best player in baseball. Yeah. And I love Ken Griffey Jr. And I this mean, is ab- absolutely no sh- like that. Yeah. I mean, that, by, by that's the, the thing. The A-Rod thing is amazing. That's a great point. I, I, I had to look it up. I mean, they're not that far apart. Griffey's debut was 89. A-Rod was 94 by, you know, by the 96 season where A-Rod finished second in the MVP voting. I mean, this is his basically his second season as a starter. He bet a 358. That's what I'm saying. But A-Rod was, I mean, if anybody who remembers, anybody who's old enough to remember, he was the LeBron James. 
I I know what I know what a Rod's high school uniform looks like. Yeah. Because they were like, this is the dude. I mean, he was his third season. He led baseball and average runs sec, you know, doubles, 36 bombs, 123 ribbies. Man. Talk about what ifs for those Seattle fans. Yeah. Fuck your owner, dude. When you had Randy Johnson and Griffey and A-Rod. And, and don't forget, like, the tail end of, of that, like, decade is when, I mean, it's, it's 2000, 2001, whatever, where Ichiro comes up. Like, imagine adding MVP Ichiro to, like, what could have been a veteran-filled team of those guys. Where A-Rod's in his seventh season. I mean, look, like, like, look up, look up the A Rod stats in the year where fucking Ichiro debuts and wins MVP. Yeah, that's a that's a great. Uh, you're right. That's a that's a great side by side. All right, let's do that. So, two thousand one. I think wasn't he on the? At that point, he was on the Rangers, though. Yeah, the next, that's what I'm saying. It's the very next year. 2000, he's on Seattle. 2001, he hits 52 bombs on Texas. And Ichiro's the MVP. (laughs) This is unbelievable. That's wild. I never thought of that. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it, you, your your point about the MVPs, I never thought of too. It's like and and Griffey by the way, Griffey has won. By the way, the two thousand one Mariners won one hundred sixteen baseball games without a Rod, without a Rod. And now you could argue, right? They went out and spent that money that they didn't have to spend on a Rod elsewhere. And I would argue back. There's no salary cap in baseball, you fucking dickheads. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I, I guess I never thought. I, I forgot when Etro came into the fold. We might as well continue with some baseball calls. I mean, I mean, Joe, we got to do it again, bro. You, you already you already prepped me for this. I haven't heard the call, but you I, prepped I, me about the topic. But I'm like, do we have to do it again? We we do. I prepped you. I prepped. You. I, I I feel like I've said everything I need to say, but like at this point, we've been doing this show long enough where I feel like I've said everything I need to say about everything. So, well, here here's my thing. It's it's called about Derek Jeter. Surprise, surprise. And can I I just say, like, I understand. No, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it till I hear the actual. This is like a loyal dirtball. That's the thing. It's it's not like a this isn't a troll account. This is a long. No, listen, but he's I'm sure he's either a Yankee fan or a Jeter fan. I'm sure his age is ripe for Derek Jeter's career. I'm sure there's a lot of factors. 
You know, he probably owned a respect hat. Well, let's hear the call. Okay, let's hear the call. Hey, guys. Eric from Lakewood, Colorado. Uh, just got to I, – I, I can't – Joe, I can't listen to your baseball takes saying how bad Jeter is all the time. Like, I'm a Yankee Never fan. Never said that. I can yep. admit he's <laughs> fully overrated. He Great. He shouldn't have gotten 99.9% Hall of Fame votes. Thank you. But he's got the six most hits of all time of everybody. Okay. He's not okay. just compiling hits. He played four less seasons than Pete Rose, and he had better – his stats were more hits per at-bat, more runs per at-bat. He had a better batting okay. average. Mm-hmm. His defense wasn't amazing, but he wasn't some bumbling doofus like you make him out to be. I- I- incorrect. Um, False. So I'm, I'm not. I, I've never been a huge Jeter guy, even as a Yankee fan. But he's not. He, he's not this dipshit who can't play baseball and is like loved by everybody and voted in because of it. He's a Hall of Famer. I need you to. No one arguing. He's not he's a Hall of Famer. Otherwise, no one argues. Really he's not. Trust your baseball opinion anymore. Never once um, said that. Still love what you guys do, but Jesus Christ, man, Jeter's not a fucking idiot. God. He's a shitty CEO. I'll give you that. He's a shitty CEO. But <laughs> come on. Um, yeah, condoms are for, I don't know, people who don't know baseball. Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll tackle a couple things. Never said he's not a Hall of Famer. Never said he's not, you know, an all-time great baseball player. First of all, your point about his defense is factually incorrect. Factually incorrect. Look up Bill James, D- Derek Jeter, baseball metrics. Look up fucking there's I mean, there's infinite articles that Jer- Derek Jeter is arguably one of the worst defensive shortstops in the history of the game. Well, well B- can, can I hop bumbling on idiot on that? OK. According to this. By advanced max met by advanced defensive metrics. His run save total is minus 155, which would ultimately make him like maybe the worst defensive player of all time. Now, I don't right. know how accurate and, that and, is. Well, and, and, and so, so this is what is that is what is based on. Like, so that's a horrible way to judge somebody's defense because let's say you're a negative defender, right? Which Derek Cheater is bumbling defender. Okay. Um, now, of course, they made up for that by often having a so Robinson Cano better shortstop than Derek Jeter. Alex Rodriguez better shortstop than Derek Jeter. So if you flank Derek Jeter with better shortstops than Derek Jeter, you don't really have like he can stand in one spot and make those fucking plays. A Rod's range at third base. A Rod has the A Rod has world class. Top seven of all time shortstop range. And now he's playing third base. I have friends who played in the Yankees organization with Robinson Cano coming up. Robinson Cano, they just all go, Robinson Cano is a better shortstop than Derek Jeter. So now you literally flank your shortstop with better shortstops because why? We've got to keep the, like, I mean, it's, that's despicable. Okay. 
and and that that is where like the Jeter, the leadership, the team player. It's like, then why didn't he fucking move? We know that's the most important position on the infield, if not the field. So why isn't the captain taking one for the team and going to play center field? Why isn't he playing second base and letting Cano play short? Why isn't he letting A-Rod play short? Okay. Like you're factually incorrect. He is a bumbling defender. And, but at the same time to judge somebody's defense by they have the most negative run saved over a career. It's you either can discard it because he played 20 years or you have to factor it in the same way you factor in that he is the six most hits of all time. Yeah. Because he played 20 years. Also your comparison to Pete Rose. Cool. Name the position on the field where, where people are talking about Pete Rose as the greatest of all time. Name the person who has Pete Rose in their all-time starting nine. Our comparison is Pete Rose. Uh, okay. By the way, and I understand that his numbers are higher side by side. Pete Rose also did win three batting titles and an MVP also. Exactly. Derek Jeter won zero and zero. Pete Rose's best years also on a team that Stacked. was absolutely loaded. Yeah. As opposed to Derek Jeter, who was essentially in on the big red machine from the second he came to the big leagues till the second he left the big leagues. Because unlike the Cincinnati Reds, the Yankees are like, we will continue to restock this team. Okay. He didn't have the years he played on the Phillies. He didn't have the years he played on the Expos. He didn't, ha- he didn't, he didn't coach manage into his fucking fifties or whatever it was. Derek Jeter was on the big red machine his entire career, but factually incorrect that he's not a bumbling defender. He is. There's a million articles. Don't call up and fucking talk about his defense unless you're, you've read those articles, unless you've read the deep defensive analytics, unless you're calling and being like, I know he was the third best shortstop on his own infield at one point, but this, no one's arguing he's not a Hall of Famer. You are six all-time in hits. You're a Hall of Famer. Okay? That's fine. That's why no one should be arguing Eli Manning is not a Hall of Famer. If you finish six all-time in yards and in touchdowns as a quarterback, you're a Hall of Famer. The difference is, no, and another guy, so clutch in the postseason. But no one's out here going, Eli Manning, arguably, the greatest quarterback of all time. No one's arguing Eli Manning, who I think is a Hall of Famer, deserves to get 100% of the Hall of Fame vote. Derek Jeter compiled career stats. Derek Jeter was clutch. Part of those compiling of career stats is minus 155 runs saved defensively. Well, here's one on more. a loaded team. Here's one more as well. We talk about popularity and winning things like gold gloves based and, on. And, and, and oh, can I just do one more thing? Cause the, the one thing I forgot, he's talking about hits per at bat as compared to like Pete Rose or whatever. 
cool. Ichiro better get 200% of the vote then. I want baseball writers to vote twice. If, if that's what we're basing it on, your, your, your argument for Derek Jeter is hits per at bat. You, I, like, if you're, a, if you're out here calling your favorite podcast, or uh, sorry to assume you're your favorite, one of your favorite podcasts, to argue Derek Jeter, you better have a web, you better have a Tumblr blog devoted to Ichiro's career. You better be standing outside Cooperstown with a sign that says, uh, like, Ichiro 100% of the vote. You better be prepared to travel the country, slitting the throats of people who don't vote for Ichiro. Because he was a great defensive player, won an MVP. Oh, fucking stop. One of MVP is a rookie. By the way, Pete Rose had an overall higher war than Jeter. But uh, one more stat on Jeets, which is kind of interesting. So Derek Jeter won four gold gloves with a negative defensive run save total. Yeah, because it's a sham. I mean, that's exactly so he won four gold gloves when he was with a negative defensive run save total. He he I mean I mean realistically like and obviously I you know I haven't been as vocal but from everything I've read seen he he was a bumbling idiot at shortstop. He he just was. Like statistically speaking he was an awful shortstop. But the thing about awful. Derek the thing about Derek Jeter's shortstop play and the reason the only reason that bumbling defensive idiot is is somewhat false is because he just he was great at making the plays right at him and you can look at guys who have like crazy range and crazy ability like take a guy like fernando tatis jr who is insanely athletic and has insane range but he's gonna throw the ball away and he's gonna fucking you know uh, bobble the ball that's hit right at him. He's, he's also going to make, I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr. has already made plays at shortstop that, I mean, I bet you he's made 10 plays at shortstop that Derek Jeter like, doesn't make in a fucking fever dream. But he also was moved to the outfield because he can't be consistent. Now, that is the argument for Derek Jeter at shortstop. Consistently mediocre but he's right there doing it and the the argument against Jeter is no other teams on planet earth can put a guy who's consistently mediocre out there and then flank him with two better shortstops well you, you know that that's always a great point when you talk about how good those guys were. And not only that, the stubbornness and the lack of humility. I mean, that's a real thing, guys. You know, A-Rod comes along. We all know how great he was. And I remember that. And I remember being like, how is Jeter not moving? You're, you're forcing, you talk about an ego. Dude, you're forcing A-Rod to go to third base? A-Rod. Come on. Who takes shits that are better defensive shortstops than Derek Jeter? 
mostly because those shits are also filled with performance enhancing drugs, but that's neither here nor there. That completely gets overlooked. And and then what you're telling me about, I, you know, I wasn't aware how good Robinson Cano was as a defender. And, and if he, again, if you're getting sought, you're getting help from both sides. And even before that, dude, like think about the guys, think about the, the guys who played third base for the Yankees throughout those eras and think about the guys who played shortstop. I mean, Chuck Knobloch, besides the yips was like a multi gold glove winner. Robinson Ventura or Robin Ventura is a multi gold glimmer. You have Wade Boggs, Scott Brocious. Like that's what they always do. Yeah. Well, you know, now that you're a little worked up, I think it's only natural that we play a, a call about cousins, Kirk cousins. Oh, we have a defender, not really a defender. Okay. But you'll see. Joe, Andy, two number one farmer dirt ball, Jay from Minnesota. Um, the Kirk cousins thing, it just makes my head hurt. Cause I feel like the Vikings are going to do something stupid. Um, they're talking, there's lots of talk about extending them. And that's just, I mean, oh, it's just more of the same. We always do this. I will defend signing Kirk Cousins in the first place because we had to see if it worked. We had a good team, like, okay, we need a quarterback. We thought we could do with Cliff Keebler or whatever his name was. We got to an NFC championship game. So if that could happen, why not get this freaky Kirk guy? Um, it didn't, I mean, we've seen the top of it. You're going to win. Win a playoff game. Congrats. I mean, Jesus. It's nothing to write home about. So I say we either trade them or just don't extend them. Fight the bullet this year and just freaking let them go. I swear to God, though, I'm hauling cow manure right now. If they extend Kirk, I'm going to reroute this manure spreader and take it up to Ziggy Will's doorstep up there, wherever he lives. I can find out. Stay dirty, boys. Like, I don't hate, like, he's saying, you know, they, they took a chance. You thought maybe if Case Keenum can get us to the NFC Championship, maybe Cousins can take us to the Super Bowl. But the, but why, how could you possibly think that? When Kirk Cousins plays in the NFC East and at three years as a starter, goes nine and seven, eight, seven and one, seven and nine. Why does Kirk Cousins make you better? How? How do you argue that this is the missing piece? I don't know. This is the guy you just had a better season with Case Keenum than Kirk Cousins has ever had at any point ever. Since going from being a back, like it's just, it was the, it was all there. Like, I mean, the Washington Redskins have been like a fairly poorly run organization in the Dan Snyder era but not, not giving Kirk Cousins the big contract was the fucking best thing they ever did. And, and here's the other problem with the idea that it was worth a shot. You didn't trade for a Kirk Cousins that some other team didn't value. And you're like, you know, he's not, uh, he's not the shit, but he's better than his record. You went out and gave Kirk Cousins the biggest QB deal at the time. Yeah, that and there lies the problem. It's the financial constraints that now the team has 
if you paid him like he should have been paid, then maybe there's not an issue. There's still probably an issue, but at least you can defend it. Sure. We went out and we got a middle of the pack quarterback because we think we're good enough to put together a team around him where he can win. Not we went out and it's free agent signed a, a QB to the biggest deal in the league. Who's nine and seven, eight and seven, nine and seven, seven and nine, seven, nine, nine, seven, eight and seven, one. But like, dude, you went out and got a guy that the Redskins didn't trust. And you gave him the biggest deal at quarterback at the time. Yeah. Light, light yourselves on fire. I mean, the Redskins, come on. They, they were busy. Like the only argument in, in favor of that is like, we thought the Redskins being a shittier run organization as they did must have been wrong about Kirk Cousins. But it's like, actually, it's the only thing that the fucking Redskins got right. Yeah. Since Schneider's taken over in like the early 2000s, it's probably one of the few things he's gotten right. If any. All right. We have another call. I think this is about quarterbacks. I don't know if I wrote this down correctly. Hotline again is 310-359-8365. What's up, Dirty Sports? Uh, After the Kirk Cousins conversation on Monday's show, I was wondering if you guys think that quarterbacks in the future will be willing to take less money to assemble a good roster around them. Uh, part of the reason why Tom Brady uh, has been so great in his career, and no one talks about this, is he's willing to take less money to assemble a good roster around him. Obviously, his wife makes more money than him. That's a different story. But guys like Russ and Big Ben won early in the career when they weren't making money, and then when they got their massive contract, they have not been back to the Super Bowl. You know, the average cap hit of a Super Bowl winning quarterback is less than 10%. So do you guys think we're going to be in the cycle of rookie quarterbacks, rookie deals, and then nothing after the big contract? Or do you think quarterbacks will realize this and be willing to take less money? Let me know what you guys think. Condoms are for Rob Manfred. I, I think people, right? I think people are GMs and people running teams. are They're seeing that now. I think the like the simplest answer is no. And I think the simplest answer is no, they won't because agents exist and agents will convince you not to do that. True. I think in a more specific situation on a case by case basis, I think you will see it. uh, Like, like obviously Patrick Mahomes and his agent got the biggest deal of all time, but like, does that deal get restructured later on so that they can afford these guys? And he he, ten, he technically makes less money, but he's still got that money in a bonus and he makes the money from State Farm and he makes the money from his wife's fitness yoga pant thing that he also supports. And he's got Jackson's TikTok money coming in and like whatever. Like, I think you'll find what you'll find is like the quarterbacks are always going to get their money as soon as they can get their money. And honestly, in some ways they should, but if you have other forms of income coming in, if you're the kind of guy who's, you know, making money on commercials, if you're the kind of guy who is seeing that winning helps your brand, like a guy like Patrick Mahomes, like winning helps the Patrick Mahomes brand. Patrick Mahomes is kind of a dork, but he's a great player and he's playing into late January every year. And therefore 
the amount of eyeballs on him every year way greater than the number of eyeballs on other guys. So he will get to the point where he will be like, yeah, I can restructure this or take less or whatever. Now, like, I think a guy like Josh Allen is going to want to get paid. Well, he, 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 he did just get paid. Right. But I'm saying he's got like, why he would did. he not want to get paid again forever? Like, why would he always not want to be a top five paid quarterback as long as he's doing it? Because you don't see Josh Allen in a lot of commercials. We don't see Josh Allen getting a bump from being in the Super Bowl. You know, like Joe Burrow, especially after Joe Burr, Joey Ice, Joe Shiesty, you know, whatever. Like, I have a feeling we're going to see some Joe Burrow commercials next year. Yeah. Now, does that factor in if he's already making money on his brand before he has to sign the big deal to be like, you know what? I'll make it a little bit more team friendly because I know that basically how I got all of this is by going to a Super Bowl. So Allen's deal was six years, 258 million. So, I mean, he just got paid. Right. And it really, it really kicks in in 2023. Right. But essentially what I'm saying is the simple answer is no. Guys are just going to want to get as much money as they can because that's what agents tell them to do. Sure. And and you have a shelf life. Let's be honest. You know, there's only so much you can make. You you, you have to balance. Do you want to win? Everybody's one hit away from being Alex Smith, right? Yeah. Do you want to get paid? Get, get your, we're, we're, we're only talking about Kirk Cousins because RG3. You know what I mean? Like any moment you, you're RG3. Yeah. No, for sure. By the way, uh, you said Patrick Mahomes. Can you imagine? I saw Brittany Matthews' bachelorette party was like in the last week. Could you think of a worse, more annoying? Like, you know, bachelorette parties are always the most like there's nothing most more annoying. annoying comedy audience. Oh my God. Not just the most annoying comedy audience. Like the, like when you, when you run into a bachelorette party and I learned this young, thank God, like you think, Oh, that, those girls are prime for the taking, like to hook up with. Uh, uh-uh. no, Th- that's drunken disasters, drinking out of dick straws. You stay away. Just stay yeah. away. Like avoid you, it all costs. Could, could you imagine uh, showing up to a comedy club to perform and they're like, there's a bachelor party in the back and then finding out it's Brittany Matthews bachelor party who is spraying the audience with champagne while her brother-in-law dances on like Richard Pryor's memorial. <laughs> like what's that guy at the, in that bachelor party? Oh, he has pulled Richard Pryor's headshot off the wall <laughs> and he is filming a TikTok on top of it. I think the last time there was a bachelorette party when I did a show was with you in Chicago. Do you remember one of those shows a yeah, couple years yeah, ago? For sure. I had to warn you because I was hosting. I was like, dude, there's a bachelor- bachelorette party left of the stage in the back. Beware. Yeah. Always about them. But I, I it's bet that a, it's my day. <laughs> Yeah, nothing worse than a bachelorette party. And I bet hers is probably all time worst. And I'm just going to say this, and it might make me sound like a fucking misogynist or it might make me sound like whatever, but I'm just going to go up ahead and say this. You know what the day for women is? And we, we all know this is the thing. The thing for women is 
wedding day, right? Like that is the day. That's like, that's like on their thing as the day forever. Eddie does a great joke about how it's all about women. They get to walk down the aisle looking as pretty as they've ever been in the dress they've always dreamed of. And they get to put their friends in like ugly brown dresses looking gross so they can be pretty. And then Eddie's like, oh, do I get to walk down the aisle too? It's like, no, you go up there and you stand there and you fucking wait for me. You wait for me to walk down there. Like a wedding is not about the dude at all. No, I agree. Bachelor parties. That's our day. That's our day. We should be we should be getting we should be able to match the energy that you get to put into wedding day with our bachelor party. And you with your bachelor part bachelorette party should have to match the energy that we get on wedding day, which is shut the fuck up, have a couple beers with your friends quietly. And wait for me to return in glorious fashion. <laughs> I don't know. Hand, hand out flasks or something. Do you think a lot of guys like do one though? have one glass of scotch with your friends? Do you think a lot of guys? Do, I feel like a lot of guys do it up pretty hard in their bachelor party. I, I, I agree. I'm saying we go hard at the bachelor party. They go hard at the wedding. We don't get to go hard at the wedding. So they, in turn, lose the dick goggles. Lose the screaming at comedy clubs that ruin my life. Like I want your your bachelorette party should be what guys do on wedding day. You guys should have a round of golf and then give all of your friends a flask and then and then shut the fuck up and stay out of the way. I got you. You're saying they, they get they're, they're getting both. Yeah. And what do we get? Well, to be fair, they have to pump a child out of their vagina, which that is-, is not a requirement to getting married. And also, once again, their decision. The thing that that's just like the next thing they demand. I'm saying for all the things they demand for all the imbalances in a, in married life. Men should be able to go infinitely harder for the bachelor party than women go for their bachelorette parties. And honestly, I think bachelorette parties tend to be more out of control than bachelor parties. You're probably right. Have you been to some wild bachelor parties? I've been to some wild ones. I mean, Mikey's featured a, a little person. <laughs> of course, that, it did. That, that almost drowned in a bathtub. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, six strippers and a dildo we all signed. And <laughs> like it was, it was pretty wild. I, I, I've, been, I've been to a couple of Vegas bachelor parties. Yeah, you know, I, I've been to- I, I had a wild Vegas one once back in my back in my back in my youthful days. And, and, and the funny thing is we went two of my friends went an extra day. So the bachelor party was Friday and Saturday, which, by the way, that that was the first time I learned. I was like, I was still I was still in my 20s, but that was the first time the three day hit me. And I was like, no, dude, you, you, you can't go hard in Vegas. Three two, two is the max because we started on a Thursday night and. uh yeah, there was a lot of bad decisions made, but uh, hey, you know what? It's what it's for. Like you said, did I live it up harder than everybody else? Yes. Did my buddy who came into town like it's like is this Ruther's bachelor party or is it mine? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, the amount of guys. What I've noticed about bachelor parties, the guys you really got to worry about, the the guys that like are are going to be a danger to you at a bachelor party, the guy who's already married. 
He's like, we're doing this again, bro. I didn't go hard. And the guy, if you go to a bachelor party and some guy goes, we're going big this weekend. We didn't go hard enough at my bachelor party. Just don't even hang out with that guy. Yeah. You're, you're going to end up dead or arrested. Sure. That guy is that guy's out for blood. Yeah. A hundred percent. Unless his name's Tony Romo. Yeah. Then you're playing hide and seek at Caesar's palace for 48 hours. Hey, it's a core workout, Andy. <laughs> Great inside joke. 310-359-8365. Drop us a call. Drop us a question. That is the hotline. You can follow us on social media at The Dirty Sports. I'm at Andy Ruther. Joe is at... What are you at, Joe? I'm at Joe Prano on all social media, except for Twitter, where I'm at Fix Your Life, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, whatever. Uh, I've been posting more stand-up clips out there so get out there and enjoy a stand-up clip or two on my social media follow my shows joeprano.com joeprano.com forward slash shows uh i'll be in the grand comedy club once again in escondido this friday for two shows um in support of dean del rey and then i'll be around southern california for the rest of march until we go to colorado me and eddie are going to do some snowboarding skiing and comedy in april got the hollywood improv this saturday show in culver city this saturday so come to a show or all and i say this every once in a while because it always happens it's like when are you coming to blah 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 it's like i don't know tweet me and your local comedy club like i am down to come but they need to know that you want it to happen sure all righty. That is our show for today. Thank you to everyone for supporting us. We'll see you in a few days. And as always, stay dirty. <laughs>